Roger. Yeah, I think you're pulling the wrong one. I'm just... Okay, I'm ready to pull it down now. There was still a little bit uh, left in the... Okay, don't hold it quite so tight. Okay. Is what? Hi. Welcome to the podcast. This is how it's going to start. tape on the tape live licks hot licks big checks big checks big decks ready to do a test kiss a test tiss once you inject this you're stuck this is the scorpions sat habibi Hi, my name is Jimmy Jackson, Jason Peppercorn, the houseboat captain, Mr. Megan Glad. Never downtown at the same time. Uh, I'm just getting my levels set. Get my levels set. I want to be loud. I want to be so loud. There we go. I'm loud. Blasting. Speaking. Okay. I'm about to call somebody up right now on the telephone, and we're going to have a nice conversation. This man's name is Andy J. Miller. He runs a podcast called Creative Pep Talk. He's also a brilliant illustrator. I think the illustration came first, actually. But, you know, it's the chicken or egg thing now. Andy's a... We've never talked before. We've talked in email a little bit. I follow him on Instagram. Love his stuff. Love his podcasts. It's honestly one of the few podcasts I actually listen to. I know it maybe seems like I listen to podcasts all the time, but guess what? I don't because I'm too busy recording this one. And, and even then, even then. Okay, I'm going to call Andy now. Okay, here we go. I'm going to call him up. Let's see what happens. Hello. Please state your name after the tone oh, and weird. Google Voice will try to connect you. Johnny Pemberton. How's the sound there, Brennan? Is it good? Okay. It sounds good to me. This is unfiltered, raw. The cap's off the bottle. Cap's off. Well. The Google subscriber you have called is not available. It's not available. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, Andy. Uh, it's Johnny Pemberton here. I'm leaving a message after the tone. I'm calling you from my Google Voice number, which I believe is... Uh, let's see here. I can tell you what the, what the uh, area code is. 
There he could have called you from his from freaking Monrovia, bro. Monrovia, where I believe Trader Joe's is located. Uh, Trader Joe's, a company that people think is just a real sweetheart of a company, but actually is a German-owned multinational. <laughs> it's probably uh, implicated in some type of war. But uh, either way, they're located in Monrovia. So is a huge garden company called Monrovia Gardens. So you're going to see a, an, I got peanuts in the throat. You're going to see a 626 number, which I think is also Pasadena, but Monrovia is close to Pasadena. I'm going to email you right now. I'm leave this the world's longest voicemail, but I think Google can handle it. They've got the bandwidth. I'm going to say, hey, man, calling you now. Leaving a message. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to hang up and call back, okay? I'll talk to you soon, Andy. Peace. Hi everyone, it's still me. I'm still here. Let's listen to this song instead. This song's pretty fucking ripping. This is awesome, good stuff. Someone sent me this online. Someone's like, hey man, check this shit out. Let's try a different song real quick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna call you back right now. Gonna call you back right now. Sounds good with the ring, doesn't it? The Google subscriber you have called is not available. Please leave a message after the tone. Truth and justice back away! Okay, I'm giving you my number, Andy. I'm emailing it to you. <laughs> what if baby's saying this, huh?
give a kiss to a mutt, all doggies like a butt. Pull aside, throw a ball, do it fast, do it far. Go to, to your house, pick up all the shingles on the ground. Pick them up, make a new house for the dog. Do it fast, do it now, do it quickly, do it out. Get a guitar, do it now. Get upstairs, pick your friends, close it. Pick your friend's nose with a little stick. Do what you want, do what you can. Be your friend, be your man. Don't know what you want. Yum, 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 My boy, that baby is a boy. Hello. Oh my God, it works. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, Andy. Oh man, hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me all right? I hear you great. How about you? Do you hear me all right? Yes, it's fantastic. Sorry for the uh, Google phone issues. It's cool. I left you some weird to voicemails. So I could. I was trying to get it so I could get it through the computer, but. Um, I don't know. It didn't work out, so Shit. this is just over the phone. Okay. Well, that's it. Still works, right? I think so. I mean, you're recording on your side, right? I'm recording. You have headphones or something, or you have? Uh, yeah. I'm just it's just on my phone. Okay. Now. Sounds great. Yeah. It sounds brilliant. All right. Sweet. It was yep, gonna that sound works. that way anyways. <laughs> What did you say? I mean, either way, it's going to sound like the phone, because we're going through the phone. Right, okay. So, yeah. either way. Either way, fine. it's a phone call. It's phone. What's the weather like? That'll work. <laughs> In Ohio? Yeah. Uh, miserable. Is it really? Yeah, it's Is been it? cold and rainy. It's that gray it's time kind of, of year, crappy. right? Yeah, yeah, real gray. It's not great-looking gray? It's not what? Great looking gray. No. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I've been no. up in that that part of the country during this time of year has that the pre-snow bleakness that's kind yes, of Yes, it does. And the water looks like it's got like like oil in it. <laughs> like it's got oil in it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh it it's definitely the the thing I hate is that we, at least when it snows it's really bright out because yeah. of the reflection. Uh-huh. Uh, but this is just the, yeah, very depressing. But I lived in England for five years, and that was way worse. So yeah, I'm not this is much better. Ohio's chill. That's right. Yeah, it's all right. It's you know, it's fine. <laughs> the weather will do. You got all types there. We've got we've got all types there. Isn't that right? Because Ohio's one of those things where I remember the last time I was there. You to get to a certain place, you have to go in and out of West Virginia like five times on the highway because there's all these little hollers they call them, right? Right. 
<laughs> I guess. I I mean, you know, I've only lived in Ohio for a few years, so I don't feel like I can speak to that. Yeah. But uh, the the landscape of Ohio, but I and I live in I only live in Columbus, which I don't feel like is very indicative of the rest of the state. Yeah. I feel like there's a a wide swath of folks, but in Columbus, it's I don't know. I don't think that's very. I don't think it's very Ohio-y, probably. Well, that's what I'm trying to say is that everything can be Ohio, but you got some, you got some rednecks, you got hillbillies, you got, yeah, you got totally all, all kinds. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I, you know, I feel like uh, I grew up in Indiana and I lived in England, and mm-hmm. then I, I've kind of lived in the city since then, and I feel like. I'm kind of all types. I have all of the yeah. different, and my DNA is made up of all sorts of folks. So, you know. Do you yeah. own an axe? Do I what? Own an axe. Do I own an axe? No, I don't. I don't what? own any axes. What about a I'm chainsaw? not real handy. <laughs> I'm not. I I've been around handy people yeah. before, but I'm I'm pretty. Uh, my hands are very soft, and and uh, they're the hands that draw pretty pictures most of the time it's weird how you say you're not handy but yeah let you yet you use your hands all the goddamn time to draw so <laughs> you kind of are like super handy you're just not handy in that kind of way not in a practical way handy I can, i'm very impractically handy you could say i think i'm kind of handy but i'm also like at what point do you stop being handy and start being like a contractor <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, at what point do you get paid for it? Yeah, I don't. And at that point, I'm like, am I wasting my time being handy? Because I should just not be so handy. Because if I'm, why am I investing so much in my handiness when I should be? What are you? What are you making? What are you working on? You're fixing your house. Yeah, I can do some house stuff. I can do like some wood, kind of like some woodworking. Not woodworking so much, but I can do like some building of things that are outdoors. Not like a finished yeah. look. I can't do a finished look so much right yeah yeah every time i try to do any kind of handy thing i usually i'm breaking things making it worse if i even when i put up shelves i usually make two or three large holes that don't get used Uh yes i don't know why i'm just really the worst at it i'm better i guess I guess. Sorry. <laughs> That's the conclusion of Sorry, that. I'm better. I'm yeah, you're definitely better. So uh, I should tell people now uh, who you are. I said it already. I said I said it when I was calling you. But uh, you're uh, Andy J. Miller, also known yeah. as Andy J. Pizza. <laughs> you have so many Is that names. An impression of me from the Google phone. Yeah, I well, say that again. It was that. Was that your impression of me? Saying my name on Google phone? I guess so. I, well, I didn't hear a message when I called. It just said, oh, the Google Voice right. subscriber, you have called. That's not picking up the phone. And, Andy J. Miller, <laughs> Big Papa Pizza, Dr. Papa Pizza Pop, Andy J. Pilsner, which I like, and Peppy yeah. MC Peppa Papa. What's the Pilsner come from? What's that? Pilsner? Yeah, are you a Pilsner fan? No, it's just uh, Miller's a Pilsner, right? The, be- oh, yeah. the beer? I guess technically it is, yeah. Yeah, so you know, kind of interchangeable. I, you know, I could go by Andy J. Pilsner. And you run the podcast. It's your podcast. It's called Creative Pep Talks. Yes, which I I love it dearly. Is. I my uh, my wife turned me on to it because she's an illustrator, 
and she found right. it and it's it's helped her immensely and then I started listening to it and I was like this is helping me immensely and um, it's yep. honestly one of the few podcasts I've ever even listened to because I really just don't listen to podcasts for that for the most part but I really enjoy your podcast because it's like you're always you're great at like getting down to the uh, essence of like okay so here's like you say the stuff and then you repeat it like okay so this is what we learned and I don't know it's very um it's just very educational in a way that it's effective. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things that's weird for me is that it kind of started out as a illustration podcast. Uh-huh. And now it's, I would say that's probably only a small fraction of the people that listen to it are illustrators. Yeah. And so, you know, I think all the stuff that we exploring the show is relevant to all types of creative people. But, you know, I also think like I'm out there talking about creativity, almost more like a science than than some kind of magic. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I feel, even though I'm a real magical thinker, like I, you know, I don't have any issue with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just feel like there's a kind of a, pendulum that needs to swing back the other way and i feel like um that that's kind of what the show's all about how, how do you how, like you know i guess i'm thinking about it through the lens of neuroscience almost <laughs> not that i know anything about that but just in the fact that creativity is happening in the brain and it's kind of a scientific process and you know it's if you could map it out in the neurons of how someone writes a joke or how someone draws a picture or comes up with a good idea. Like I, I think you could map it out and therefore you could understand it. And you know, it, there's a way of getting better and making progress. That's not pure magic. And I think there's so much, I feel like creative people are so on the, I don't know. They're, they're undervalued. They're not really people that show up, their value doesn't really show up well in schools or the tests in schools. And I think that, um, I don't know. I clearly feel like, uh, it's an important thing that needs to be recognized. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, well, the other thing that kind of drives me nuts is that if you go look at the business world and you go study who they're championing and, and excited about, they're always these really, really creative people. And I feel like they're always like, wow, look at this rare person. And I'm like, uh-huh. these people are everywhere. Like you just, you know, you don't recognize them or steward them or take care of them in school. And, uh, I don't know. They just get lost along the way, but yeah. So I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool thing because it's, I guess I mean, I've been stuck a lot of times before. I mean, I probably always will get a little stuck here and there from time to time because, just that's the nature of, of uh, you know who who I am as a person. But yeah. there's something about the way the way you talk about it, like demystifying and making something not magical, is great because you realize that. I mean, I, there's a quote that I always think about all the time. This uh, I don't know who said it, but someone said inspiration comes from working. Yeah. I think about that all the time when I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I feel shitty. I feel stupid. I feel like I feel feelings yeah. about something. And then the second I just grind into it, like, okay, just going to get it. I'm just going to start working on it. It's almost like exercise or something where or, yeah. or when you go outside when it's cold. That's first you're just, okay, let's get this over with. 
Let's get it over with. Yeah. But the second, the second you start forgetting, the second you stop trying to get it over with, maybe not the second. It's kind of gradual, right? Where it's a thing where all of a sudden you're in it and you're kind of like, oh, this thing that was seems so hard, I had no ideas for. Once you start just, just spraying shit out, you start, I mean, it's not so much spraying shit out, but there's like a thing that happens where you're. You just switch over and you start. You start. To, your brain takes on like a different thing where it, it's almost like a, I'm trying to kind of describe it. It's like a thing where I guess it's like how a diesel engine works. It's like do you know how a diesel engine works? I don't. No, I'm not that handy. Yeah. Or mechanical. <laughs> I I learned this recently. That's really cool because I have a diesel car because yeah. diesels don't use spark plugs, so they have like it's all based on pressure. And what happens ah, is. Weird. Is if a diesel engine has uh, fuel going into it, yeah. and you start it, you don't have to do anything to keep it going other than feed it fuel. Well, like oh, a, like a regular crazy. engine has to like has to have to cut the spark plugs have to work. You have to do all kinds of stuff to it. But a diesel engine, as long as the fuel is going in there, the energy that's created at the beginning propels it forward an unlimited amount of time because just as long as there's the fuel going in, so. It's like that's yeah. what I think about like creativity sometimes is where as long as you're once you get things going, they'll they'll stay yeah. going. It's the hardest part is getting it started though. And I think uh, you know, there's a there was an old motivational speaker from like the seventies or something named Zig Ziglar. You ever heard of this character? I, I don't think I the name sounds familiar. Zig Ziglar? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was his real name, but he was okay. a kind of a rare breed. Like, I think he's one of the original, like, motivational speakers, but yeah. one of the uh, like, he looks like Joe Biden come from him. <laughs> What'd you say? He looks exactly like, kind of like Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah he does. Uh, and uh, he, he had a metaphor that I, I always kind of, like, wish it wasn't him because I always have to bring this guy up who's yeah. kind of a random weird guy from the 70s. But the, motiv- the, the metaphor is really good, and he just says... Um, like if you, whenever you used to have to like, uh, get the water from the well, you had to prime the pump, yeah. you had to like prime it like crazy. And you, and you know, if you didn't understand that concept, you'd give up, you know, before, but then once it starts flowing, then it's just easy. And I think even like, I imagine, you know, I'm not, I don't really know anything about comedy writing, but I, I think even just if I'm trying to get my brain to think of things that have punchlines and I just keep, you know, obsessively like poking at that and, and writing stuff down, I try to write, you know, 50 ideas down by the time I get to the 50, 50th one, my brain's in that mode to where I go into my regular day and all of a sudden I'm finding punchlines everywhere. Um, and I think it's kind of like that. I, I would imagine. I, I, that's why I was always inspired by people like uh, pro- you. Probably hear this crap all the time, but um, Jerry Seinfeld talking about you know treating comedy like work and just yeah. going into the office and, and writing jokes. And I think it feels awkward. I think, and that's one of the things. Like I think creative people, and I have this part of me that is very much like this. I'm kind of like a war of. I think, like, my mom and my dad are so dramatically different. It's part of the reason they didn't didn't stay together. Mm-hmm. But my my dad is such a mathematician, business guy, and my mom is, like, a creative, drug addict person. And so I feel like I have both that, 
authentic, wanting to be authentic and inspired and, and creative and don't force things. Yeah. I have that side of me. And then I have the business side of me that's a lot more no nonsense. And I think, you know, the whole idea of like showing up to write jokes all day. I think the fir- that first hour that you're talking about where it's uncomfortable or it's that shock of it's just not flowing. It feels so inauthentic in a way that I feel like that's part of the reason why I, you know, I would shy away from that or creative people will shy away from just kind of showing up and, and forcing yourself to do the work as you feel like you feel it feels forced. And I think that's yeah. one of the, th- you know, that's something that being, I think it feels inauthentic. And I think creative people highly, highly value authenticity. Um, but I think it's kind of just a misunderstanding of the way that that works. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's almost like an unfair comparison or something where you're looking at maybe something you like, a product that you like, like a creative product you like, and you think you know how that person did it. And actually, yeah, it's, totally probably, true. it's probably way more boring than than this freaking eureka moment. Or the eureka moment comes after tons and tons of grinding, and you take a break to have a chicken sandwich, or go go wash your hands, or go piss in the backyard, and then you you get that because yeah, it's like yeah, it seems like you don't get those moments unless you're um, unless you're putting yourself in that position of uh, of the sort of the the grind, like having to pump it out. Yeah, and I think also like it's easy to misunderstand when you're taking a piss in the backyard and it comes to you. So many people, I think creative people will think they got to keep pissing oh, in the backyard pissing in the backyard. Yeah. Like that's, that's the secret. <laughs> um, and you don't even realize like the subconscious, you, the, what your subconscious is playing a massive role in it. So like, even when you're grinding, it's kind of taking in information and, and making connections and, and trying to, and I think you just kind of, I think that the mystical force of your subconscious, because even when you're, sleeping or whatever you it's always kind of working on your behalf whether you realize it or not that's oh, just yeah. like science and i think you you have to and then and i think maybe that's why it's always seemed as magical or seem like the gods like the muse or whatever that you know shows up on your door but the people that tend to put in the work have more of those moments and i think uh it's probably just as simple as that do you yeah. so i I, uh, how, you're from Minnesota, right? That's where I grew up. Yeah. Okay. So how did you, how did you end up doing what you're doing now? What was that? Can I, can I ask you some of these questions? Um, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you can't. <laughs> you can ask me whatever you want, man. Um, all right. I, I want to flip it a little bit. Cause I'm just curious cause I've listened to your podcast and you know, I've read about you and I, I've seen some of the stuff you're doing. Way to go on uh, the Disney XD show, by the way. Yeah, the my show kids that, are into that. Well, the show. I wish Disney was into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched some of that. I thought it was awesome. It's a great. It's, I, and I also don't really understand what's happening on Disney because these shows, some of the shows they're doing now, I'm just like, man, this seems like Cartoon Network or something. I, I, yeah, I, I don't mean, think they know too. I think, Pic- I think Pickle and Peanut, which is the show we're talking about, that show. Was a lot of people were like, oh, this is adult. This is an Adult Swim. And I think that yeah. sort of maybe uh, Disney felt weird about that. But right. the show is oh, it's I think it's available. It's definitely been available on iTunes both seasons. But I think it's now available on some cable provider to stream for free. Right. Maybe Spectrum or 
Something like that has okay. it. So, listeners, if you want to watch one of the greatest cartoons ever made, it just so happens to feature my, my little voice, then you can watch yeah. it for free. But that show, I mean, that stuff, I'm trying to think of how, how I started stuff. I was just, essentially, I just moved here. It was the short, right. the short story because I wanted to do something creative. Like, I wanted to study improv. It was either going to be in Chicago or New York or L.A., I remember making a map in the basement of my mom's house, being like, okay, yeah. here's the pros and cons for each city. And uh, somehow I ended up getting a job out here because I had some friends who graduated six months before me. And it seems to be all these entry-level jobs, especially in Los Angeles, it seems it's probably the same every big city. But if you know a person who uh, mm-hmm. can, you, they can hire, they want to hire someone you... they. Let's say you're like an underling. The boss wants to hire someone who's friends with the underling because it's almost like you wouldn't hire your friend just because they're your friend here unless they were uh, good enough to do the job. Otherwise, they'll embarrass you and you'd risk losing your job. So it's just Yeah, like, yeah right. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I, think, I guess I didn't realize this until then, but hiring people sucks so much. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like people, do you hire people? You hire people now? I've never. I mean, I've hired some people like to work on stuff, but never like, not like in the real sense of the word, where you're hiring someone right. for a, a long-term job. That shit is yeah. insanity, and and to do it Petrifying. from someone you don't know, like I can't imagine the stress of it. So people just, well, I got a job because they just, my friend had worked there, and like, oh, my friend can do this menial like job that basically doesn't exist anymore because it's was pre-2008 crash and then right. I moved out here and I, I started doing taking improv class and um and just doing started doing stand-up and I guess I just wanted to do comedy so I started doing it and I just was like didn't care I just wanted to do it so bad that I yeah. was just happy to be doing it and uh essentially I mean that's when yeah Sorry. When was that after college or high school? That was after college. I moved home okay. after college for like a few months because I didn't have any place to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And so, but so did you? So you went out there and you had a friend in LA or yeah, multiple I had two friends? friends. Or? I had two friends. And we lived together in a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah. For about six That's months. Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. And so, and then you just start doing. Uh, improv and you had you done stand-up before that I kind of had like once or twice it's someone's living room in Florida and where I went to college but it was real like kind of like an indie right. like a weird drunk indie thing that we were just like let's do a this one guy who was really into stand-up comedy I would say he sort of like was like a Dane Cook of uh, of the time like that yeah. sort of energy right. like kind of yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. But there's just sort of a Dane Cook energy this guy had. I'm not even sure what he's up to now, but he's—I hope he's right. okay. But he was like, kind of drove it. He just showed up in town. I don't remember what his deal was. He was definitely, definitely, a, kind of a loose agent, or a, I don't know what you call that. Like a free radical, maybe. And he right. somehow yeah. met some of us, and we were all like, because we all worked at the radio station together in Tallahassee, uh, the college radio station, WVFS Tallahassee. And this guy, Chris, he was just all about stand-up comedy, and we were all about comedy, but more about filming sketches and just being doing stuff like that. And he, mm. um, 
he uh, he yeah somehow we did a couple of shows and they were that's the first time I ever did stand up. Otherwise, basically, no, I had never done stand up before, and I, I just knew I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I wrote. But you a, just went out and did it. You did, and and so kind of okay. So you went. When was that? I guess it was probably 2005. I started. Well, I had um, I helped my. There's a web talk show. I worked at Fox. Fox.com, and there was a web talk show. It was basically an in-house promotional show for the shows. This was like early internet, you know, so it wasn't really something that people were watching because it was pre-YouTube. If it wasn't pre-YouTube, it was definitely like YouTube was a very niche thing. Right, yeah. And um, I... Helped. I opened that for the live taping, and it was. I wrote all my jokes down. I thought it was gonna be awesome. I thought I was gonna kill it because it was a paid audience, and I fucking bombed so hard. It was terrible. <laughs> it was like so embarrassing. Like people wouldn't make eye contact with me because I was just so bad. But it was something oh my where, gosh. even though it was terrible, I didn't. I wasn't like really depressed afterwards. It was more just I was kind of like I somehow managed to laugh it off. I don't know how, but uh, yeah. I just knew I went, okay, I, I, I got to try this again, obviously, because that didn't work. But, um, yeah. so yeah, and then like some person, um, I worked with a woman named Haley who was dating a comedian at the time named Peter Sprite. And Peter Sprite uh, had a show, a monthly show at the comedy store. And she told me, she introduced me to him, and she introduced me to him. And I went over to his house in West LA, and he sat down with me for like two hours and helped me go through the material that I thought I had, helped me like rewrite it, helped me make it like shorter and make it funny as opposed to just being like words and stuff. And uh, yeah, and then he put me up on the show, taped it. And we, and then like a week or two later, we watched the tape together and he gave me some more notes. It's the kind of thing, I t say this all the time. Why did he do that? Exactly, man. I don't know. I think he's a fucking saint. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> honestly, Peter's someone who, uh, he's, he's, one of, he's a very rare person who is just super generous and um, just there's like a kind of kindness he has that is, I mean, very special, I suppose. And I think maybe he probably, yeah. he must get something out of it because he did. He helped another friend of mine, for him, my friend Fahim Anwar. He's a comic. He's a great comic, and he did the same thing with Fahim. I think it was something where he just it must be nice to uh, to help someone to see someone. I don't know. To it's like teaching sure. a kid how to ride their bike. It's got it's got to be some a good feeling. And they're like, wow, I, I helped this person figure their shit out and yeah. now they're they're riding on their own yeah which is something i think takes what a lot was of he balls, telling too. you uh, like what in the early times when you're doing that what yeah. what is he like you said he helped you take words out make it funny like do you remember like what that actually looked like i'm just like curious to know what yeah what kind of advice there that I don't know. That helps you kind of see through it. Well, I think a lot of times he was saying how do you what do I think it's funny about the thing I'm saying? Like what what makes you laugh about what this story is? And it helps you think right. about what is it about this it's funny. And then also just about that was something I remember. I also remember him saying stuff about like um like how to make just condense things down, get to the point cuz a lot of times people to have a tendency to sort of uh, just dance around something because they're scared to drop the thing that's the thing because they're scared that no one will react. 
When actually mm. it's the opposite, you have to have like huge balls and just fucking lay it out there. If no Drop one laughs, it. it's like fuck it, who cares? Move on. Yeah. But I was just so, I was like such a uh, just so nervous about it that I don't know. I mean, I guess I had like some performing experience. So for me, it wasn't like a matter of so much of the performance. It was a matter of the writing and getting that stuff to work. Yeah. Because once I got up there, there's, there's a lot of comedians who are kind of. I guess I'll say they're naturally funny. Like they're kind of like naturally silly people. Like I'm yeah. fucking making my friend's parents laugh after a sleepover. Like you know we're all having breakfast together on a Sunday. I would make everybody yeah. laugh around the table. Like just being a fucking idiot and doing dumb impressions oh, yeah. and saying stuff that was kind of outlandish that you wouldn't kid normally wouldn't say. So I've been doing that for years, and I think there's something where when you get on stage, that sort of there's like a weird instinct that kicks in. Where you just yeah. are kind of like, you know how to swim. And it gets even better and better. Like, I feel like the, the over, as time goes on, something where sometimes it's kind of crazy how, like, wow, how did I think about this thing in the moment that I would never have thought about uh, just trying to sit there? I got, to, got to think of something good. But then when you have to think of something good, it's like, yeah. wow, it just really changes the dynamic so much that where you're just. Yeah, it's a different, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, the, the, the thing is for me is that, like, even though, you know, what I do is nothing like stand-up, yeah. you know, I, but I am, I'm doing tour, you know, one to three talks a month, and I do the podcast and everything, and I will say that one of the things that drives me nuts about the podcast is there is no audience, and... yeah. It, it is kind of it it requires a real kind of uh i don't know just getting into that head zone but when i get in front of a stage uh i have the same thing happen to me and i want like and, and sometimes i think man the times i don't have it recorded drives me nuts because my thinking is i don't know i can't get into the headspace that I am in when I'm in front of people and my best writing, cause I really write my, uh, talk is always up in front of people. And yeah. I think, what is it about that? That changes my headspace. Do you, have you recorded your, do you, do you record your shows? I record the audio of them most of the time. Yeah. The audio. Yeah. But here's the other thing though. A lot of okay. times the stuff that you do in the moment on stage doesn't, it's really hard to get it to work again. You can, right? But yeah. That's like that's yeah. that's the work right there. That, when, when we talk about comics who work hard, those are that's yeah. not. It's not really me. I don't work as hard as <laughs> some people. I kind of like lean on a lot of. I lean on a you lot. You seem of, like um, you're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, I do a lot of stuff. I mean, acting is different. I feel like acting is so uh, clear cut in terms of what you have to do, how you to, what you have to work on, how you do it. Because if you just do stuff right. enough, but there's something about stand-up where you tr when you try to recreate something that, that worked the first time, there's just always this thing where it just becomes, uh, that's, the, that's the real honest at work, the, the, the really unfunny, boring part of being, if you're like a professional stand-up comic, is finding a way to make the thing that was fun the first time uh, good and funny again. And it takes... It takes fucking forever, I think. Some people who've been doing it a long time and do it all the time kind of know themselves enough where they kind of like, okay, I kind of know how to do this because this is how I say things. But sometimes it's yeah. just the thing where there's so much nuance that, that, that happens 
it's some. I think sometimes things are just a lightning strike and you have to just let it go. But other yeah. things are like a thing where you have to, um, you just have to like grind it out hardcore and have to has to be unfunny a bunch before you find out how to make it funny again because you have to realize what about it was funny the first time. And sometimes for me, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what the. I must have just said a word weird or I said, like. Uh, yeah, it's super hard. Now a lot of times I just, I'm re- I can be really lazy sometimes. So, turn to that, turn to that shit. But I think uh, the the thing that you're describing, because I feel like in especially in illustration, this is something that I still feel like I'm really refining. The uh, analogy I came up with in the last show was about, you know, if you call that whatever, you know. The, the goal that you're trying to hit, let's call it funny in that moment, mm-hmm. uh, if you call that the fire, I was reading about like ancient civilizations and like civilization really kicks off once we're not at the mercy of harnessing fire randomly occurring in nature. And once we, once we have the ability to make fire on demand, that's where like civilization really starts kicking off. And I think that that's... Uh, that's the same in creativity is like the whole improv on the fly, you know, getting like capturing the fire in the moment. Like, I think some people are more predisposed than others to doing that, but I think it gets, um, really interesting when you know how to kind of command it more. And I feel like, in illustration, that's a lot harder for me. And I feel, I feel like I'm way further than I was a few years ago, but, mm-hmm. um, especially with concepts or whatever, uh, you know, instead of just being at the mercy of the muse showing up and, Oh, that I was funny that day, or I wasn't funny that day. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, I, I, it's obviously, it's a hell of a thing. That's the mastery of the craft. It seems like um, you have to trust yourself with it. Is that a part of it? What'd you say? You have to just trust yourself because you know that when you have everything lined up, I mean, it kind of goes back to pissing in the backyard again, but sometimes I think it's a thing where if you just show up and you're doing the, if you just show up and you put in the time, the thing will happen. It may may not happen the same as the best time it happened, but... Right. Yeah. It's kind of... Because that's why I find, I mean, because I always think about this, the, the relationship between illustration and comedy is so good because it's the perfect way to relate things because they're just yeah. similar enough to be, to have a lot of components that are, that are, like every component to them has a corollary aspect in the other world. Yeah. But it's also different enough to where you can, you can kind of contextualize it and it can make. You can see it from a further perspective. Yeah. Too. Yeah. That's why I talk to Britt yeah. all the time. It's, that's how it is, where I'm talking to her about stuff. I realize, oh, this is me saying this to you, but I should be saying the same thing to myself about something different that's the same yeah. same problem. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I never get tired of hearing um, stand-up comics or comedians in general just talk about uh, finding their voice. And I was watching the... CNN history of comedy thing mm-hmm. and watching people like Richard Pryor, him, whenever he goes away and comes back and he's no longer a ripoff of Cosby is just like, 
this glorious transcendent moment where you see this person self-actualize. Oh, and totally. I think that it's amazing. And it's, I'm not, and I think like in comedy and uh, with comedy, with stand up and comedy, I guess the, you have the same thing with illustration where it's this solo individual having to find their, their perspective and their true self. And I'm so inspired by that because I think about it like, I think one of the things that ha- most people only go as so, so far as their uh, Gandalf goes. Like they go, they go where their hero goes and they stop there because then there's this road, like dropping the ring in. Oh yeah. You can only do it by yourself. There's no, and it, and it's so, and people don't, I think if you're not on that road, you, it does, you don't understand why it's so scary to, walk the the rest of that distance and i think stand-ups that really put in that time or or figure that i get that click and i think what that's one of the things i i i really loved about your podcast is i do feel like you have a really clear sense of your point of view do, do you feel like that no <laughs> you don't i mean like i kind of do i would say a really clear sense i feel like there's stuff that I always do that I know I'm good at. There's stuff that I th- that I like to do, which is always yeah. going to be the same, which I've kind of only yeah. realized recently that, that I look back on stuff. I'm like, oh, I've kind of always been doing this. Maybe it's been a little yeah. different, but there's nothing that's – I've always been doing the same thing. It's just what's the context, what's the stakes have changed a little bit. But, but otherwise, no, I would say I don't have like a super clear um, – no, well, I mean, because that's the thing I like about your podcast a lot, because when I've listened to it, it's ta- it made me realize that, I think there's something you talked about, it was probably a while ago, but something about how it doesn't matter what you think your, uh, what your message is, it matters what the people are receiving. Because you can say all you right. want about, like, oh, I meant to do this, I meant to do that. It's like, well, it doesn't matter what you meant to do, because I see the color blue. It's like, oh, yeah, well, that was yeah. supposed to be red, but we just thought that we had we didn't have red, so we used yellow, and I just I, and ended up being blue. It's like, well, it's it's blue, because it's fucking blue. <laughs> yeah. And it's like such a thing where... And so you, so do, you, do you feel like you have a clearer sense than you did... Uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, though? Oh, yeah, by far, much more. Yeah. But it's also a thing where looking back, I think a lot of the stuff I was, the the reason I was able to get work and, like, have some success was because I wasn't really thinking about anything so much as just only trying to be, have fun, and if something wasn't funny, I just really didn't give a shit about it. I was like, this sucks, it's not funny, fuck you, this is dumb, I don't have anything to do with this. And so... It was just like like this real, I don't know, dogmatic sense of this. I only care about stuff that's like this. Right. Yeah. Like, but did, so did that? It sounds like you're saying that you started that way. Did you go through a season where you were compromising or overthinking or what? Like, I did that ever so. change? I mean, it's definitely a time when I mean, because I. I started off wanting to be really alternative. Like I, this, this, some of the jokes right. and stuff I did at the beginning of when I first started doing stand up, I look at them now. I'm like, holy fucking shit! I had huge balls. Like I cannot believe the shit I was doing at a comedy club. 
there was stuff I was doing that was yeah. so aggressively alternative and like anti-comedy or just being really silly and committing and having like a prop. There's stuff that people would they get made fun of for that shit and I just didn't give a fuck because it was like a thing where I saw so much I saw so many great comedians when I started who were who were all, who were um alternative right that I'd never seen because yeah. you don't have these people on TV or you just don't get enough of it on TV or there's no way to consume right. that type of comedy that I was like okay I want to I have to be different than that person so it just forced me to have to be so different that uh, different and also still like what I was doing that I think I just ended up doing, just doing all this weird shit that was hyper committed and I didn't know yeah. I didn't think uh I, I don't know. I, I wasn't. Really, honestly, I wasn't thinking about it. I just was. The only way to make it funny was committing really hard, and the only thing that made me made me laugh was really committing to something that was. It could be like a song or a dance or just some character or something like that. Like committing really fucking hard, and and uh, yeah. there's so many people who don't really commit that much. I think that's a big problem. Is people are scared to to really commit to something. Yes, and I think that comes from not trusting their point of view. Yeah. They're, you know, they're not, they're not trusting their own taste. Like, so I want to, yeah, I, I think I want to circle back to that. I want to mention something about that idea of taste, but, um, but it sounds like, like you're, t one of the things I'm thinking about all the time, which I, you know, my listeners, I'm sure are like, unless there is friggin' batshit crazy about the hero's journey, uh, as I am, you know, I, I think about how that the idea of like the three act system of, you know, thesis, antithesis and synthesis. And it sounds, I think for a lot of people, a lot of creative people, they start off with the thesis uh, and it's like their home. And it's like, this is what I think is funny. And they're clear. And they're like, this is it. And then something kills their confidence or they get stuck or, you know, something wrecks that, and yeah. that's the antithesis. And that feels like that's the worst season, but it's necessary to get to synthesis, which is the thesis and the antithesis coming together. Yeah. Uh, where you, yeah, because I think I started off, I remember telling my dad early on that I really, I wanted to do work that had no, that was like, ultra subjective and un and I didn't think of it at the time, but I was thinking, but what was really going on was I want to do work that's above being judged or criticized. Like, right. like I want it, you know, like I want it to be so avant-garde or alternative or whatever that, uh, it because, and it was partially because I thought that's what the good stuff was. But I think secretly it was partially because I didn't think that I could do the straight stuff. Like I didn't think yeah. I could pull. You know, I'm not a great illustrator. I'm not a great. Um, I'm not great at drawing. Like I'm not that's amazing. That's what Britt always says. So I think. That, I, what's that? That's what my wife Britt always says too. But I'm like, you're full of shit. You're fucking great at drawing. <laughs> I mean, I just. It's so. I hear this all the time. But it's so funny to think about that because. Like, obviously, yeah, there's, there's like, Korean dudes who work for uh, animation companies who are, like, lick. Yeah. They're fucking savants at drawing. But at the same time, all those yeah. dudes or whoever, you know, they don't have the other aspect of their creative process is not there. Like, they don't have, they're almost, right. like, what do they call them? They call them, like, a, a wrist, right? You're just a wrist. Yeah, like they're ha hiring a hand or yeah. whatever. 
Yeah. Well, you say so. It's funny you say because I've seen your drawings and they're they're amazing. They're so like I just it's funny to hear someone say who 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 does that they're not very good at drawing. It's like it just such it kills me. I love it. Like, it cracks me up that you say that. <laughs> but I think you know I think that that. Uh, and so I think it is, is, is that early on, so I, like I have this, I actually want to turn this into a book. It's something I think about a lot is, um, that like real creativity starts with, not with a talent or a skill, but with, uh, good taste. And I'm not the first person to say that, but I don't think that it's something that's been extrapolated into right. kind of a, right. a, a fully formed idea. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why when I first started that I was thinking, I don't care if it's good drawing, it's good. I know it's good. And I, but I think I leaned on that too much and I it ends up only taking you so far if you're not going to develop the craft and then also then self-actualize with your own voice. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think for me, I, I relate to like early on having, whether it was fake or not, I don't know, a real fearlessness and then getting crushed uh, by the world and then having to go through that kind of antithesis season. Yeah, it's a classic, it's a classic journey. Hey, Andy. Yeah. Can we pause what? for one? Can we take a quick break real quick? Sure. The Hero's Journey. Howdy. The hero's journey. Yes. What you're saying, uh, that's like such a, um, I think everyone goes, so I wish more people would talk about that, that idea of the, of like, you figure your shit out and then you get, you get checked and smashed down. And it's such a different thing to figure that out after that than it is the, because it's always that thing that happens in Hollywood where it's like, you know about, um, like street casting. No. It's like where they basically cast one off the street, like, oh, this is the, this is the look. They just like pluck somebody out of the ether and they put him in a right. movie. Yeah. And it's so funny to see. I've met. I remember I met one guy who was in this movie that I auditioned for a bunch and didn't get. But I'm happy I didn't get it because I didn't fucking want that stupid part. It wasn't for me. <laughs> Either way, this guy was like a total asshole, right? He's like a real dick, and because yeah. he, he out of nowhere he gets a successful movie. And then um, what happens is a lot of times a lot of stuff doesn't happen for a while after that because no. you didn't get it because of working on it. You got it because of things just things just sort of happened. Like a, it was sort of like a viral success almost, but not viral. It was more same same style of thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's lottery. Funny. Yeah. And that's what I like so much when you talk about in the podcast all the time about that, about how, how boring and how dumb and how just not really interested in how you're not interested in that and how yeah it's not really interesting to to, to find someone or to be someone who just like blasts up top because then you just go back down so fast and this guy in particular he was such a dick such an asshole I think it's because he was kind of uh, probably really scared and covering for himself like what do you call it like, yeah. he was very uh, insecure but then I saw him yeah. like maybe a year later in an audition. He was so nice. He was such a sweet guy. And so like and he got crushed. Yeah, he got fucking crushed. But the yeah. thing is is he he's went on to do like a lot of really good work. And I think it's just because yeah, that happened and it made him a better person for it. It was just I've never seen such a clear cut example of someone being a dick because they're insecure and then all of a sudden having that realized and becoming a, a really just a much a very different person 
or maybe they're a dick too because they're not because they're not just because they're insecure but because if you get plucked off the street you actually think like I'm hot shit. Like I know, yeah, you're I know what, like I've got something. And then until you get crushed, you're like, Oh wait, I would, that was luck. That was, you know, or at best it was like just writing on the back of my taste, which I do think is the foundation, but it doesn't, it can't take you the whole race. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. And I think that those you either. And I think that the thing about, the antithesis is when you're experiencing it, it's so crushing and confusing uh, that most people don't carry on through it. They don't yeah. walk through it. They don't think that that's part of, that's not supposed to be part of the road. When I think that that's, or, or so many people want to go back to the start and be like, oh, I remember when I was fearless. And I, yeah, you were an ignorant moron and you didn't, yeah. you were not good. Like you, you thought you were amazing, but you weren't. Um, and it was, yeah, it probably felt great to have that fearlessness, but there's a getting it checked and having a balance of the fear and fearlessness is actually, I think a sweeter spot of creativity. Um, but yeah, I thought, yeah, I totally, I totally relate to that. Um, man, I was, my, my brain went totally <laughs> blank. I was going to tell you. There's something else you said you want to check, talk about again. I can't what? remember what it was. Uh, What's that? There was something you were like, oh, we'll touch back on this, but I can't remember what you said it was. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was it was the taste idea, which I guess we talked oh, right, a little we did, bit yeah. about. Um, oh, I know. I was going to say that, uh, that what I think taste is, uh, is it's a sense. It's like your sixth sense of, and you have, because I think we think about what makes a good musician. And we think, I don't know, hand-eye coordination, mastery of an instrument, whatever it is, no, what it really, what it really is, is they know what's good music and what's not. They know oh. how to make decisions like that. And it's an ear for music. And the same goes, people think what makes a good illustrator is, oh, they're great at drawing. No, it's an eye <laughs> for a, a picture. Yeah. Like, they know what would look good on the page. And I think what makes a comedian is a sense of humor. And I think that you're talking about like at the beginning, you just trusted that sense of like, I think this is funny. That's one of the things I try to like desperately encourage people to develop that sense of don't make anything, don't make a joke, don't make a piece of work, don't make a t-shirt that doesn't have that kernel of good, what you would call good. Yeah, if you don't and like it. you should it, be collecting oh. those things. It's weird how that. What are you saying? Well, you have to like what you're, you're making. Yes. But it's that guy uh, you were talking. Who who's the guy who kind of took you under his wing? Oh, Peter Sprite. Peter Sprite. Yeah. Him saying he was saying the same thing of, let's collect these kernels of good. Like, what are the things that let's focus? Let's drill down on what is really funny here. Something, and I think even that. Like, I think creative people are, and I don't. I only say, oh, creative people are like this or like that. Only from my own personal experience. Like this is the same process. I, it, you know, I only know from I'm like this, but I think early on I wouldn't want to drill down on why do I think this is good? Because I, I was afraid that I was full of crap. Uh -huh. and I was like, uh, what, what do you think is funny about this? And I'd be like, uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe there isn't anything funny. I'm just doing a weird face. Um, sometimes, think, like, sometimes that is all it is. You know, right. And, and, and that's it. Like that can be it. Like, Okay, it was a weird face. Let's go more with the weird face thing and cut out 
all the other stuff that you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, like, he totally had that intuitive sense of like, this is about your following your true taste and collecting all that. There's something, uh, we were talking about Richard Pryor before, something I forgot to say that like I, that kind of goes to this, that I remember learning early on, and it basically is how I got started in comedy, was because Richard Pryor said, I think I read some interview with him, he said that his uncle owned a bar, and they had a microphone there, like for whatever, you know, they had like a mic and a stage, so he would go there when the bar was closed and just fuck around with the sound system and the mic. <laughs> Right. Which is like, ever since I could even fucking talk, I've, you, if there was a mic, it's like, oh, I want to use this thing that's loud to amplify my voice to see what it sounds like, because it sounds cool. Like, you get, yeah. you get in trouble at the restaurant, <laughs> at the hostess station, like using the hostess station mic, because it's just, it's fucking fun to use a microphone, because it's yeah. such a novelty. And when I heard him say that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And the first joke I ever wrote was when there was a band sound checking at a venue in college. And I was like, I'm just going to fuck around with this mic for a while. And I just started doing that. And I ended up writing something, not because I was trying to, more just because I was like having fun. and Having trying, a good time. Yeah, trying to make like my friend laugh and make myself laugh about something. And to hear Richard Pryor say that, it's like, oh, that's, that's such a foundational thing about something is where it's like everything comes at least from my perspective in that terms it comes from a sense of play like wanting to play around with something yeah and that's kind of like the essence of the entire thing is that you're just you're just playing you've seen that documentary about Fellini how Fellini said that he Fellini was kind of a nut right he was kind of mean to actors but I think also he was he was like kind of would would goad them on because he loved to watch actors play because he's like, there's no other type of people who just will play like children for un- for unlimited amounts of time. And so essentially when you're f- making a film, you're just filming these people who are like, they're just kind of crazy people who are adults that are acting like children. Who like to play. Yeah. Right. And there's something wrong with that. I think a lot of times, I mean, I, a lot of people I know who are actors will talk about how they feel bad about this or they try to be really serious i always have to tell myself like this isn't supposed to be serious i'm not like when i think about it like obviously you want to learn your fucking lines and stuff but when you really look at it if you don't if you take your shit too seriously you're not doing your job like you have to fuck around you're getting paid to fuck around be an idiot to be stupid to like to be if you don't get told like once in a while like hey quiet down be quiet stop you're probably not doing enough to like generate the the weirdness because you're just stuck in like your fucking notebook or like really just you know, there's something about it where it's like you're stuck in this uh, achievement mindset as opposed to like a a play mindset because there's no achievement in play yeah. right there's no winning. No, and I have you ever watched any of the. Uh like John Cleese videos of him talking about creativity. I don't think I have, no. They're yeah, they're really awesome. I think that he he talks a lot about this. I this is one of the things I'm constantly thinking about is what the like so business so creative business or creative career, which is like in a way it's it's you know uh your like your job is to play. Right. So, and that, that's so tricky because work is the opposite of play. So yeah. your, your work is to play. And so all of a sudden 
everything gets tainted and messed up. But obviously, some people figure out how to do it. They figure out how to uh, play for their work, and they figure out how to get in the mindset. And uh, uh, John Cleese would talk about this, and he calls it the open mode versus the closed mode. Okay. And the problem is, the so the open mode is you're do all the only like he would say he would go do a writing session for Monty Python on his own and his only rule would be I'm going to spend the next 2 hours and the only thing I have to be productive on is that I enjoyed the 2 hours that it was <laughs> funny for me and I yeah. was enjoying it and that's the only thing that I have to get out of it if I don't get any writing out of it that's totally fine um and he would just it's just kind of like tricking yourself setting up these parameters of um, mixing creativity with productivity because in traditional productivity, that's the least productive thing in the world that doesn't show, you know, your boss isn't going to be thrilled about it. And I think that's one of the reasons why innovation is so few and far between in terms of in, in a corporate setting is that they really, they try to treat creativity like it's number crunching or a factory or whatever and by nature like it's by, by setting up the game like that it's setting up to fail yeah um and i think it's so interesting and i think it's you know kind of like uh it reminds me of what you're talking about when you're first starting it's like kids uh like they're not gonna if it's not fun they're not gonna play like, yeah and then at some point like you, you change because you have to achieve something. You have to get something out of it, and uh, that's when all of a sudden you're working in a different part of your brain, and you miss. You forget. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be. This is supposed to be fun or funny, or I'm supposed to be enjoying this or or whatever. Whereas kids just have that natural radar, and they're not trying to do anything with it, and so they're naturally in the open mode all the time. But I think there's a way of hacking it. Uh, in terms of doing it for a career because people have done it and I think I've over time gotten better at doing it like um, but it, you know a big part of it is like it just takes time like it just takes yeah. a, a ton of wasted time <laughs> it, like, yeah. like my wife and I are constantly trying to work through it because we have three kids we have a mortgage where, you know, we're going to have a studio space and we've got bills and, and, you know, things to think about like retirement <laughs> and all this stuff. And I, and I'm like, I, here's the thing. I know the only way I go to get, get a good podcast. The only thing I know about a good podcast episode is, uh, I don't know. I know like some of the things I can do, but I don't know which of these paths is going to take me there. It's usually like, a bath and <laughs> calling my friend Kyle for two hours. And, you know, like, and it's just, it's so on paper, it's the least productive activities, but they're the only, the only way to make progress. And I think it's, yeah, just, it's, it's kind of antithetical to what we, what our whole culture is set up around, you know? Yeah. There's some old saying, the guy who taught David Lynch how to paint, said it takes them five hours to get in one hour of good painting. Yeah, exactly. I, like, I, I think about how when I'm drawing, uh, I'll draw, I'll think, all right, I got to knock out this magazine illustration. Good luck. And I'll, and I'll work. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I'll, I'll knock it out. I'll do like an hour of drawing, and I'm like, okay, that's about good. Like, uh, I guess that'll do. And then, you know, I'll, I'll work on something else later. I've been drawing for five hours or four hours, and it, 
and it all of a sudden I remember how to draw. I can't yeah. even I can't even draw until I've been doing it for three or four hours, um, which just then requires a lot of time management that I'm guessing many people are like me, which is I'm not fantastic at that. Yeah, that's such um, a fucking weird thing. I've been thinking about that lately, too, is just how it's like, man, I just don't have time to be thinking about other stuff that isn't related to what I want to be doing, like to my work and my like to comedy and stuff. If I'm thinking about other stuff, it's I get sucked into that shit because I want to think about. It's like a thing where you you get sucked into something else, and I realize, oh shit, I just don't have the time to to do things on my own that I used to. Because if I do, then I lose I lose so. It's like time is so much more precious. As time goes, yeah. the older I get, the more the more my time to be creative becomes super precious where I just can't fuck around. I can't, like, waste time on some person's dumb thing that sucks or, like, donating my time to something or anything like that. I'm like, I just, I just can't do it because if I do that, that's going to be the only thing I can do today because I'm going to be thinking about it beforehand. And then it's like I just – it's weird how, like, you can't do anything. All you can do is one thing. You really just yeah. can't – the multitasking is such a joke. Yeah, and I think, you know, the first five years of my career, the first three years especially, were so painful and so bad that uh, I've even the, – the more successful I get, the harder it is for me to say no because of starting out in such a shitty place. That And then I – but the only thing I think that has kind of flipped the switch for me is every time you say yes – your podcast episode that week or the illustration you're making this week is going to suffer. Like you, you can't just totally. phone it in. You can't just do it quick. Yeah. So the thing you're doing that you care about and you loved it. So it's not, you know, it wasn't, that was the thing that really started to uh, change my perspective is like every time you're saying yes to a random cousin who wants you to draw their, you know, wedding invites or whatever. Fuck that. Every time you say yes to that, you say no to a good illustration for the New York Times, every time yeah. you're, you know, whatever it is, or you say no to the best episode you could put out this week, or and you just think, and, and at some point it started to click, but it's only recently, man. I think I just, I, ha, you know, I'm a good boy, so <laughs> I, I, I want to just overperform, and I want to, I want to do everything right and and please everybody, and and I want to just work hard, and and yeah, but I think. I'm slowly shifting to being a little bit more um, upfront and, and clear and, and saying no to things because they, they rob my ability to, to do things well. But It's true. Yes. Well, and, one thing uh, that you said that I wanted to touch on was uh, y you talked about um, like some people are just kind of funny, just the way that they are. Yeah. And... I've been thinking a lot about that. That's a uh, a Judd Apatow thing he, where he says that there's kind of two types of funny. There's people that know how to be funny, and then there are just funny people. Yeah. And he kind of, you know, it's kind of Kramer versus Seinfeld uh, totally. or whatever. Like, Kramer's just a funny guy. And I think, for, I think there's a self-awareness there of, like, I feel when I get on stage, I feel really uh, – I feel fine to make weird faces and move around and, and be unexpected. And I just enjoy that, uh, energy. Um, and then I have friends that 
he can just write like his talk is just writing like three pages of jokes or three pages of uh, ideas oh, and they're man. really, really good. So he can just go up there and basically he's not reading it, but can read it. And it does really well where, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get more comfortable in leaning on the fact that I can just be a strange specimen on stage. I can just be unusual be and, or, and try to even write with people. Yeah. Do you have, do you write with people? Yeah, I do a lot. Um, just comes sometimes it's more than others, but, uh, it is a thing where also I realize that I don't necessarily have to do that. I used to think I had to, to get stuff, to get stuff done. I had to like bounce stuff off of people because that was sort of how yeah. I thought. But then I started realizing like, I don't have to do that at all. I definitely don't have to. Right. I definitely. Well, it's like, it's not like I'm I'm still doing the same thing I'd be doing with that person, but it's like you don't I don't need to have a person with me to uh, to get into that mind space. I can just kind of like let myself let myself uh, let myself go and kind of be silly and just keep keep moving forward, not being precious. And if you do that, a lot of times stuff will come up because you can always go back and clean shit up later. Yeah, so I think about that. I think about one one thing that is kind of an unsolved mystery in my mind in terms of creativity is like if you there, there's kind of, I feel like there's two options like you you can just let your own thing fly and it might impact certain people in a deeper way and alienate other people uh, or you can find collaborators that maybe elevate what you're doing but are they elevating what you're doing or are they making it more palatable to a wider group of people? And, not, and the, way, the way I think about that is uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're working together, they're doing something that is at the very least palatable to more people. And at the very most, maybe rounding each other out to be more transcendent. And I'm not, more, you know, the craziest Beatles fan or anything. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> I feel like you see this all the time. Like, I don't, I don't know if you listen to Vampire Weekend, but they just kind of split up. And I keep thinking it's just like Lennon and McCartney of like two people that have these solitary, these solitary visions. And when they're forced to work together, does it elevate it? And that's why it's more palatable, more people, or does it water it down? And that, and so it impacts fewer people in a deeper way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I guess I've never thought about that. I've, I, yeah, honestly, I haven't. I thought about it was more just the uh, like synergistic effect, or maybe it's like that kind of thing. Or sometimes I feel like it's if something is opposing you, if someone's difficult to work with, a lot of times I feel like that. Oh, that's probably good because it's going to make me. It's going to force me to be better at what I'm doing because I don't like this person or I'm like having trouble with them. So it kind of makes you, yeah. makes you think about who you really are and what you really like and whatever. And it just yes. it for, it forces you. It doesn't make you compl- not whatever the opposite of complacency is. It's that. Yeah. I think that's what, like that. That's one of the things I told a lot of people uh, about the podcast was doing, recording myself for an hour every week for four years. The podcast called Creative Pep Talks, right? What's that? Say the name of it just real quick. I haven't haven't said it since the beginning. Creative Creative Pep Talk. Right. Creative Pep Talk. Yeah, Creative Pep Talk. You know, recording myself, signing my name to it. When nobody was listening, wasn't that hard. But the more people that listen, about a year and a half, two years in, I started to have kind of like 
some pretty significant anxiety about it. And I think it was under, it was going through that process of signing my name to this stuff. And that's what it, that's what happened is that I, eventually I had to let go of it. It was a transformation a, a personal transformation for me because I, a lot of my persona, the things that I was pretending to be had to go up in flames because I couldn't co-sign them publicly. Um, but I think, yeah, that difficult situation with working with somebody you do, it, uh, you have to all of a sudden own your opinion for real and have to be stuff that you're willing to fight for. And therefore you got to have some serious confidence behind it. And now every week on the podcast, I feel like I'm going to say a bunch of things that a lot of people won't like. They're, they're definitely people and won't like me for it. Yeah. And that's it. And you just um, have to, uh, have to own it and who gives, who gives a shit and move it and do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. It's, that's, so it's, that's the you know, hard shit. A lot of people think that, for people say about podcasts specifically, like the ones that you're scared to put up are the ones that you definitely have to. One hundred percent. And that's almost there's times where the only person that hears my shows before I put them out there is my podcast editor. And those episodes are the, always like the one on Monday night I call him and I'm like, You listen to that, right? Like <laughs> I don't think we should put it up. And he's yeah. like, dude, this is the best episode you ever did. Like, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Andy J. Pizza, everybody. <laughs> Andy J. Well, Miller. Man, this is cool. Yes, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And yeah, people glad, have to I'm check out your podcast. It. It's truly one of the only podcasts that I think is worth listening. Obviously, this, hey, this is one of them. But, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're, it's just, it's a, it's great. It's actual, actionable information that is not just fluff, but it is, it feels like fluff, but it feel it, your body it goes down like fluff. <laughs> goes down like fluff. Feels like medicine. It's kind of like chocolate milk in that it goes down smooth, but it solidifies in your digestive tract. I did not know that. Yeah, that's what chocolate milk does. Wow. That's what my show is. Cool, man. Andy, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, thanks Enjoy for doing your this. chocolate right. milk. Peace. Good talking to you. Peace. See ya. Bye bye. Are we still on the phone? Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> if you're doing the fake podcast goodbye or not. Yeah, I didn't know either. I want to play this song. <laughs> this is Dillinger. Well, thanks for doing that, man. That was fun. Do you want to say I, anything else the, uh, real quick? What did you say? Do you want to say anything else right now? Am, what did you say? Do you want to Sorry. say anything else? No, I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Do you... Uh, do you know when uh, when are you, when is this going to be live? I'd love to promote it to my Probably. people and all that stuff. Probably like in a week or two, I guess. I'm not sure. Probably like in a week or two. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, yeah. I will say one other thing mm-hmm. that I one of the things that I love about your show is that for the longest time I was trying to figure out. I still am, I guess. But uh, <laughs> well, ready for this, man. This is gonna be big. What? <laughs> yeah, you, you you solved my life's mystery. Okay. Um, uh, I, one of the things I'm really in love with is figuring out what good podcasts are. 
Like, I, I love that podcasts are a new medium, so we don't know what good podcasts are yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what does it mean? What are we trying to achieve? You know, I think a lot of people compare them to talks or, or you know, other kinds of interviews. And it's such a fresh medium. And I feel like your show uh, just kind of opened my eyes to playing with the format in that. And I think it just gets at... It hits some of those metrics of what people are looking for in a podcast because it's so different to anything else because they consume it differently. And I feel like, yeah, the, the way that you have uh, played with with how this works really started to um, open my mind to, oh, podcasts aren't just like TED Talks or they're yeah. not just like the radio or, or you know, it's, it's a, they're as different as movies are from TV. What you're and saying think, is it's uh, okay to make a podcast that's virtually unlistenable. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay no, to make a podcast that's virtually unlistenable to anyone but a noise musician. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I, lo- I love it because I think, uh, I mean, I feel like I know you're whenever saying. I imagine, what's that? I know what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying, but continue. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, when when whenever something starts out I think people assume they know it's good and for the longest time people thought podcasts were good because people just liked hearing anybody talk about anything uh, you know yeah and it just became this like unbearable force um, and I feel like your show really kind of broke my thinking about this is the this is there's a there's a totally different way of doing podcasts and it also just because because I found myself thinking I'm listening to people I don't like some some of the, your guests I know but a lot of the ones I listened to weren't people I, I I didn't know and there was yeah there was just all kinds of like um, aha moments in my mind about how to, how you can approach this craft really differently. I appreciate that. Yeah. So anyway, all Thank right. You, well, Andy. Hey man, I'd love to have you on my show too. And then, Hit me up. Uh, you know, you can plug it. I, I feel like um, I get more and more people from music and and TV and all kinds of different places, and I'm trying to branch out a little bit on my guests because uh, I'm kind of sick of talking to designers. Um, so yeah. Same here, except you know, same, cool, same but different. Yes. Yeah. Bye, right, Andy. Well. Uh, I'll uh, speak to you soon. Peace. Yep. Bye.